All right, welcome back for a Maction podcast. Today we have AJ Ruffin from the CSC podcast. Thanks for joining, AJ. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So today we're going to jump into some Maction. I know everybody loves some weeknight Maction when we start getting late in the season. But the one thing is most people don't know who any of these teams or players are. You know, they love watching the weeknight games. You always get something interesting, no context. College football always figures out a way to get something, you know, trending on the Internet. But I want to dig in so everybody can be a little more knowledgeable when we get to this point in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so starting off, you know, what is the general perception of the MAC this, this season? Yeah, the MAC is always going to be the MAC no matter what. I think it's, in my opinion, I've always said this too, it's the most balanced conference in the country. You know, you never have the same conference champion back to back. It rarely, if you do, it rarely happens. You look at the Big Ten, the SEC, ACC, you know, it's Ohio State you know, Alabama, Georgia, whoever it may be, they're always at the top. But with the Mac, the perception is expect the unexpected. Because, you know, I go, we talked about uh, before we went on here, I'm covering the Northern Illinois at Nebraska game. Northern Illinois could win that game. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. And I think that's what makes the conference great. It's what makes the preseason a lot of fun because there's a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of questions that won't be answered until week three or four until they actually get into conference play yeah i want to say that over the past 10 years i'm looking at the list of mac teams and i'm thinking yep they were good at one point yep they were good at one point you know western michigan made a new year's six bowl Mm -hmm. but now they're projected to finish towards the bottom of the conference you know northern illinois had their heyday with jordan lynch back in the day Mm -hmm. buffalo had a really good run for a little bit uh before lance leipold went over to kansas you know, all these teams have had their runs, and you can think back of notable players on almost every team. But one thing heading into the season, it feels like Ohio and Toledo are going to be the two top dogs in the conference. Am I wrong there? No, I, I have Ohio and Toledo in the uh, MAC championship up in Detroit, uh, December 5th, I believe. But yeah, I have both of them in there, a repeat of last year. And I know I just said that doesn't happen often. Well, these, these two teams... I think from a talent perspective are the two best in the conference. You look at the quarterback play, uh, Daquan Finn for Toledo. You know, he's one of the, he was the best quarterback in the conference last year before um, Curtis Rourke got hurt. Um, or excuse me, after he got hurt. Uh, so I really think OU and Toledo are kind of the, the poster child for the, uh, the conference this year. And I, I do expect them in Toledo, or in Detroit at the end of the year. Yeah. These are two teams that, they were good last year, and I think the expectation is that they're going to be just as good this year. They mm-hmm. both return a lot of talent and should be exciting teams to watch this year. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, some years we head into the MAC, and it's like there's a whole new coaching regimen that comes in because you find one or two trendy coaches that end up getting you know hired by either Big Ten schools or other Power Five schools. It wasn't really the trend this year. There was two new coaches that came in. Uh, you know, Western Michigan and Kent State both hire new coaches. Kent State's was kind of a weird one with Sean Lewis taking a step down to be an offensive coordinator at Colorado, mm-hmm. which was a little bit of an unexpected turn. You know, instead of trying to ride it out at Kent State and you know, he was building something there to get a big job, he wanted to go be the offensive coordinator. And then Western Michigan makes the change, um, you know, with some unsuccessful seasons. You know, what is your what is your pulse on these two new coaches. Yeah, you know, you look at Kent State, well, a good friend of ours, Isaac Vance, who is a former wide receiver at Kent State. We had interviewed him briefly after um, Coach Burns was hired. 
and he, he we talked about off the air because I didn't really we didn't want to know what he wanted to say, but he really talked about how it was a shock. Nobody in the locker room expected uh, a change at, at the head coaching position, especially with the success that Kent State had had over the past couple of years. Uh, Dustin Crum, in particular, you know, who's now lighting it up in Canada. I believe he's in Ottawa or something like that. So he's lighting it up there. Um, so, you know, Kenny Burns out of Minnesota is going to be interesting. There always has been, you know, ties, like you mentioned, with the Big Ten and the MAC. Uh, you know, PJ Flex in Minnesota, Western Michigan guy. You know, it goes back all the way to the Woody Hayes days and Beauchamp Beckler was a Miami, Ohio guy going to Michigan and, and whatnot. Um, so that one's going to be really interesting. He, we talked about it a little bit ago, Kent State was hit hard by the transfer portal. A lot of guys left. And so really Coach Burns has a lot on his plate. He was only hired in December. So really he hasn't been there that long. He got there in the middle of winter workouts and now he's getting ready to go through spring ball or excuse me, through summer camp. He's had a spring ball under his belt, but I'm not sure if he knows exactly what he has until week two or week three of the season. Yeah, I, I kind of just want to touch on the Kent State one again because you know, it, he was building something, and it just is a shock of how that happens. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that this is something that will really happen again. I think it was a unique circumstance of Deion Sanders looking for an experienced offensive play caller who runs the style of offense he wants. Mm -hmm. And just a combination of Kent state doesn't have the deep pockets no. to match with what Colorado was able to offer as even an offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say it's a, you know, you, a once in a lifetime circumstance, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a common occurrence. I don't expect the Mac to continue to have anything like this. I mean, Kent state last year gave Georgia a fight national championship, Georgia. They yeah. gave them a fight. They did. They did. You know, they only they only lost by seventeen points to Georgia last year. Yeah. They one thing I I say with Kent State is they like to schedule tough, and that was something Sean Lewis liked. So the next head coach, if he isn't a fan of that, is sorry, dude, you're gonna have a rough schedule. Yeah, he really is. You know, kind of looking at their schedule here now, because uh, I think we talked about it last year. They had the toughest non-conference schedule in all the country. They had Georgia, Oklahoma. And at and Washington all within the first four weeks, which is yeah. unbelievable. But this year they you know, they start out at Central Florida, then at Arkansas, home for um, Central Connecticut State, at Fresno State, then they start conference play. Um, so I mean, there's an there's a chance though they could come out of that non conference two and two or one and three. Yeah, I know Sean Lewis really liked the idea of scheduling really tough opponents because mm -hmm. you could match yourself up. You could get better playing difficult opponents rather than just stealing easy wins. Look, he knew what he was at with the MAC. He knew this wasn't national championship teams, but he knew what the expectations were in trying to win the MAC. And honestly, I think that's a really good idea for the rest of the MAC to look and value because if you can match up with some of these better teams, you know, it's just going to make your team better for when you go into conference play. Yeah, without a doubt. So let's jump into some of the key players for this season because mm -hmm. the MAC has some really talented players. You already touched on two of them: Curtis Rourke, Daquan Fim, probably the two best quarterbacks in the conference. You know, probably the two of the most underrated quarterbacks in the whole country, if we're being honest. Absolutely. I, I was at the game with with Toledo versus Ohio State last year, like you were, and Daquan Finn looked like he belonged on the field. 
Sure, they were. Toledo was able to move the ball in that first quarter of that game. You know, for some reason, and this is the thing Ohio State struggled with all year was the pass defense. But DeQuan Finn was able to slice and dice through the, uh, the secondary and also get some yards on his feet too. I believe he had a rushing touchdown at one point, and uh, you know, he was able to move the ball. And so he's a guy who was able to do that all across the MAC last year. Obviously, they lost to their rival Bowling Green. Um, but outside of that, he was able to move the ball, and he, he dealt with a lot of injuries towards the, end of the second half of the year as well. Yeah, I remember after that game listening to some different, you know, Ohio State media and thinking them basically saying like Daquan Finn could enter the portal and be a Power Five starter. And I still believe that if mm-hmm. he had gone somewhere, he would be a Power Five starter. And Toledo has a great asset at, with Daquan Finn. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, right after that game, they were saying, yeah, he's in the portal right now like if he's gonna go go right now and he, he's a a local-ish kid from detroit just right up the road uh from toledo and he's comfortable there and he has no reason to leave really i mean he can ball out without having to you know he, he can just do him and, and toledo will be just fine if you're a good player they will find you in the Absolutely. nfl that yeah. they will find you it does not matter what conference you play in doesn't matter who your opponents are. If you are a talented player, they will find you. And they have found many of them over the years. All there are, there have been, Eric Fisher was the number one overall pick mm-hmm. from Central Michigan. It, it can happen. So Absolutely. just because he plays quarterback in the MAC doesn't mean he can't be great. You know, Curtis Rourke, we talked about him. You know, his number one receiver, Sam Wiglis from, you know, Ohio, you know, that might be the best connection in the MAC. Yeah, you know, they, they had a great connection last year. They were able to, you know, especially early on in the year, you know, it was uh, Rourke to Wiglis every week, it seemed like. And so I think that's something that they're really going to continue again this year. But, again, it all depends on the guys stay healthy. You know, every team in the MAC last year dealt with injuries at the quarterback position, it seemed like. It's either, people, either teams going into the season didn't have a quarterback, uh, a number one quarterback, or they had injuries. And so that's – Good this year because it seems like most teams have a starting quarterback and they're also healthy. And I think that's what's going to help OU, especially getting in early on in the year with Curtis being healthy and a Wiggles and then um, oh, the running back. Um, oh, what's his name? Why did I just lost my mind? Anyways, they have a really good running back too. The running game is going to be very good. Um, so, yeah, I think – Health-wise, everybody stays healthy. Everybody stays, you know, clean on the field. They'll, they'll be all right this year. We'll see again both of them in Detroit. And then speaking of quarterbacks that come into the conference, uh, Connor Bazlack was a starter at Missouri, yeah. and he comes over to ball, or to Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. He he's from Ohio. You know, he should be an excellent asset for Bowling Green as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're replacing a guy, Matt McDonald, who's who's been at BG for 20 years. It seemed like. Um, but yeah, BG has a lot of holes to fill, especially the defensive side of the ball. So they're going to have to rely heavily, I mean, heavily on that offensive side this year to, uh, to score some points and win games. The Mac also has some intriguing defensive players. Mm-hmm. You know, Buffalo has two of arguably the best defensive players in the conference with Sean Dolak and Marcus Fuqua. Yes. Fuqua was an All-American defensive back. And Dolak had 147 tackles and 13 tackles for a loss. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's good defensive players in this conference mm-hmm. as well. And then 
you know, Eastern Michigan has a running back, Samson mm-hmm. Evans, who ran for 15 touchdowns last season. Yeah, they did. And it was interesting, too, after that Arizona State game last year, you didn't hear much of Samson. You know, he even though he did have 15 touchdowns, he wasn't putting up the electric numbers that he did early on in the year. Um, you know, Coach Creighton really did rely on him last year. And I think that's one of those issues where they fell apart at the offensive line. Uh, we covered the Buffalo game last year, uh, Buffalo at, at Eastern Michigan. And talk about, first off, an interesting stadium with the great turf. That was one to see. I had never seen it before. It was a great turf with gray skies and gray uniforms. I think the one thing for Eastern Michigan that will forever stick out in my mind is when they had a brick wall and they were going to run through it and they, they still do it. break it down the first time. Yep, they still do it. We saw it. The the one time when they couldn't figure out how to break it down and it yeah. took yeah that that still video sticks out in my mind absolutely and I do recommend going to a game there it's actually really cool they do a classic car show on the concourse before the game all the cars rev their engines and kick off it's pretty cool they Eastern comes out of their locker room as a garage door and a Mustang leads them out onto the field it's pretty fun but back to Eastern though Coach Creighton you know he's been there I think he's the longest tenured Matt coach 11, 12 years now if not more. Um, you know, he has things trending in the right direction. He just needs to get over that hump. And whatever that hump is, you know, we thought last year it would be that Arizona State win. Um, obviously, the end of the year did not uh, come up to what it, or what they thought it would be, because injuries and, and things like that. But Eastern's going to be a team. I think they could be a dark horse this year to come out and, and maybe not go to Detroit, but compete for it. Who are a couple other players that maybe I haven't mentioned that listeners should know from the MAC? Sure. I think the, one of the big, and I'm going to say this because I'm a Ball State guy. I've seen Carson Steele. He leaves, goes to UCLA. But uh, Mark West Cooper from Kent State comes into Muncie. You don't see a lot of guys transferring within conference. It just doesn't happen a whole lot. And uh, we talked to Coach New at Media Day. Uh, Alec, my co-host, was at Media Day. I was un- unable to make it. But he talked to Coach New about that. And he talked about you know, how the importance of getting Cooper on campus was uh, to – be able to fulfill that uh, running back need because they are similar running backs. But they're also totally different. You know, Carson was a big downhill guy. Marquez can be sideline to sideline, but also go down the field and catch as well. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one uh, to keep an eye on. I think you go to Northern Illinois too. You look at the six-year man in Rocky Lombardi. I mean, I remember he was slinging it at Michigan State. And now he's going. I don't his, know how he's still in college. I know. He's had the COVID year. Uh, injury redshirt, I believe, and the transfer. So, you know, he's, he, you know, he and meant, missed a lot of last year with injury. And he's a massive part of that offense at Northern Illinois. You know, defensively from Northern Illinois, James Esther, he's another guy who's been there for six years now, five years. Um, because that COVID year, he had a lot. We talked to Coach uh, Hammock at the spring game there. And he, they had like, second year or third year guys who are only sophomores in school or something like that. Something ridiculous. So two years ago when they were in the MAC championship, they had 72 freshmen. So they have a lot of guys that are still young on this team and who have a lot of experience. James Esther is a guy who coaches extremely high on. Uh, He'll be extremely fun to watch on the defensive side of the ball. Outside of that, you know, you look at Western, they're going to have a quarterback battle between three or four different guys. And now they had an Alabama transfer come in last year. Um, and so they, they coached Lester last year towards the end of the year. He played a couple different guys. So I think coach uh, Lance Taylor is really going to have his hands full trying to find a quarterback to uh, lead the Broncos because the Broncos, they were 
one went away from going to a bowl game last year. They had one losing season in Tim Lester's uh, tenure there. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, obviously the circumstances, it's a business, but at the quarterback position, it's going to be extremely interesting. Um, man, there's so that's what's great about the Mac. There's so many guys who uh, are going to play on Sunday and who you're going to enjoy watching. You, know, you look at Ball State's tight end and Brady Hunt. You know, he'll be a he'll be a draft pick, and he's already on all the uh, the preseason lists uh, for the best tight end or tight end award. Um, the one thing you really want to learn about the MAC this year: look at the transfer portal, see what guys came in from other big schools. You look at Akron, for example; they brought in a bunch of guys, or not not actually a bunch of guys, but talented guys from big programs. They brought a four star kid in um, from Florida, I believe. And so, you know, Lorenzo Lingard. Yeah, Lingard. Yep. And so he's a guy who's going to be able to compete right away. Um, so there's just so many guys. But yeah, I would definitely look at Cooper, what's going on at Western Michigan right now, um, Rocky Lombardi's health, and then, of course, Esther on the uh, defensive side of the ball there at Northern Illinois. So I want to jump into talking about some of these teams. So starting with Toledo, and you know, we already mm-hmm. talked about Daquan Finn. It seems like they're pretty balanced on both sides of the ball overall. You know, the one thing I, that kind of stuck out to me when I was looking into them was their turnover margin was like one of the worst in the country. It, mm-hmm. it seems like they, if they take better care of the ball, you know, they've got a favorable schedule that, you know, they have a real shot of, well, they have an expectation of making it to Detroit. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, that's something that Toledo has struggled with the past couple of years is the penalties and the turnovers. You know, we talked to Coach Candle last, this would have been last year at Media Day, after they were like the worst team in the country when it came to penalties. And that was a sore subject to talk about at Media Day because it still annoyed him six months after the season. Um, but that's something they have done a better job of cleaning up on the, the penalty side. You know, turnovers, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. I wish I would have pulled it up, but the stats of what games those were in, you know, how many they had it against, against Ohio State uh, and the rest of their non-conference. But I think with Daquan Finn now back again, he's a defending MAC champion. He's a defending MAC Player of the Year or MAC Championship MVP. I think he has a lot more riding on his shoulders. And Coach Candle is a no nonsense, all business type of coach. Every time we, we've interviewed him three or four times now, and every time we talk to him, he's just a very hard nosed. If we're talking football, we're talking football, and uh, he's, his answers are always great because they're so in depth about football and it's interesting too that you know what he's been able to do there coming out of Mount Union you know you know you're an Ohio guy you know Mount Union uh the powerhouse that they are and how he's been able and that to keep that tie between Toledo and Mount Union uh but be also be able to be successful in Toledo I think as long as he keeps doing what he's doing Finn stays healthy you know just and just play smart football I think they're going to be all right yeah I briefly looked it up Daquan Finn he had 12 interceptions last year Four against Buffalo, three against San Diego State, both mm-hmm. games that they lost. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about the San Diego State game. So, you know, he only had three games with multiple interceptions. Western Michigan, he had two. Buffalo, he had four. San Diego State, had three. All three were losses. Yeah. So now he did get injured in the Western Michigan one. He only threw, had 11 attempts and, uh, you know, had negative eight rushing yards. But even in limited time, he still turned the ball over twice. So, you know, kind of back to that whole thing, you know, if he can take care of the ball, you know, that's more victories for them. 
Yeah, without a doubt. And I believe, too, he also had a late fumble against Western Illinois or Western Michigan that last game of the year. But you got to look at their non-conference, too. They're at Illinois. They host Texas Southern, and they host San Jose State uh, before they get into conference play. Yeah, so, that, I mean, Illinois that's a, game, that Illinois game is a possible you know, victory because Toledo has won some of these Big Ten games in oh, the yeah. past. Absolutely. You know, they beat Michigan. You know, they beat numerous Big Ten teams. Mm-hmm. So going on the road to Illinois isn't going to scare you know, no. Jason Candle. It's his eighth season. He's played numerous Big Ten teams. It's not going to scare him to go in there and not at all. try to win that game. So he'll no, have not his at team all. ready. Yeah, you know, Toledo, too, you got to look at their running back room is extremely deep, too. You got Stewart and Boone, who've seen a lot of time over the past two years. And, you know, Daquan Finn's backup, Tucker Gleason, he's a guy who's seen a lot of time as well when, when Finn went down last year. So they're, Toledo, one of their big advantages is they are deep. You know, they return, they have a couple of seniors and a couple of juniors on the offensive line, uh, guys who all have played. So their their biggest thing is their depth right now. Yeah, yeah. So moving on to Ohio, mm-hmm. you know, the other team that's expected to compete for the MAC championship. We already talked about the wide receiver running back connect, or wide receiver uh, quarterback connection. It looks like they've got two pretty good tight ends on this team as well. Yeah, they do. And Coach Albion going into his third year now, you know, with Tyler Foster and Will Kamerick, guys, you know, Tyler's a senior and Will's a sophomore, but both have seen time. Uh, you look at that uh, that tight end room that you mentioned. They're they're de- again they're deep. And, you know they have Ocean uh, Allison as well back and and Stephen Gore. That's the right back I was trying to think of. This is again where they match up extremely well with Toledo when it comes to uh, depth. You know they're going to struggle a little bit on the offensive line. I think they got to find they have some grad transfers and some seniors in there. Uh, they're really going to have to find some depth at that offensive line. But then you know, we talked about the wide receivers, Jacoby Jones, Miles Cross, Taylor Walton, just to name a few along with Sam Willis uh, and Amarni Roan. A lot of guys who have seen time. And I think this is a huge thing for Coach Albion, too, finally getting in this third year. Finally, get, even though he was an assistant under Coach Solich, uh, it's his team now. And, you know, he's start, slowly starting to build. And obviously, he's done well enough to make it to Detroit last year. Uh, I, think they, I think they can do it again this year with that same scheme and that same philosophy. Their schedule also lines up pretty favorable as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some potential non-conference intrigue there. San Diego State, you don't really know what you're getting out of them. LIU should be a win. Florida Atlantic is the first year for Tom Herman, but it is down in Florida, so you never know. And then that mm-hmm. Iowa State game is at home. Yeah, you know, Iowa State is it's not the same Iowa State that it was a couple of years ago when Brock Purdy and you know they had that dominant offense. It's a little bit different team. They've taken a step back. So could they beat Iowa State at home? I think there's a realistic possibility that they could. Absolutely, you know, and Iowa State's going through a uh, little thing now with their quarterback. You know, he he was betting on games. So mm-hmm. you know, and for some reason, you know, the MAC does well at Iowa State. We went out there last year. They do all. I'm in Colorado. They do well towards this part of the country. You know, Ball State's played played San Jose State, beat them a couple of years ago. Um, so Central Michigan's come out to Oklahoma State and beat them. Um, you know, they've done a great job out in this part of the country. And I think going up to uh, up to uh, Iowa State could be a very competitive game. According yeah. to the with the Matt Campbell, who is a Toledo guy. Exactly. So. 
Right, we talked about the top two teams in the country. You know, Buffalo, I look back at last year for Buffalo, and, and to me, it was a season of streaks. You know, it seems like there was a lot of hot, there was a lot of cold. You know, mm-hmm. they start the season losing three games, they win the next five, they lose the next three, they win the next two. Mm-hmm. What kind of led to these streaks, and how can they avoid that this year? I think it's going to need to be consistency. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, they got thrown off last year because of the nasty storms in Buffalo. They had to play Akron a week later, you know. So they really mm-hmm. kind of just threw off what they had going on. You know, look at Buffalo, too, since Coach Leopold's left for Kansas. You know, they've, they've been down. I mean, you know, they had a stud running back, Ben James Patterson. They had his brother. I think he's either still there. I think he's a 10th-year senior at this point. He's been there a hot minute. Uh, as a linebacker. So they have guys who can, can compete, but you know, you look, their first game is at Wisconsin. That's not an easy place to play. They at Wisconsin host Fordham. If they play Liberty again, who is a tough, tough opponent and they're at Louisiana, but Buffalo is one of those teams that, you know, it's, they're kind of the outlier of the Mac, unfortunately, because they're so far away obviously New York's not that far, but in the grand scheme of the Mac and it's as a whole, you know, they are pretty far away. Um, so you look, they just feel geographically point. away from it. Even if like the distance from ball state to Akron is a little further, mm-hmm. they just feel not in the same realm because they're not a Midwestern team. Right. Absolutely. And you know, coach Lundquist going into his third year now, I believe, you know, he's a guy who, uh, they just were riddled with injuries last year. It's unfortunate. It's a part of the game, but they just had injuries on injuries on injuries. Um, and as long as they can stay healthy, I don't see why they can't, you know, win six, seven games. It's very possible. You look at their, obviously they're not a conference. It's tough, but their first conference game is against Akron. And uh, which obviously is not that far for them, but that's going to be a real test. I think in their first conference game, trying to figure out, who the identity identity of who they are. Yeah. And and their defense, you know, we talked about some of the players they return, you know, in my mind, they are returning some key players, but that schedule can beat you down pretty quick. Mm, Like you said, Wisconsin, Liberty, Louisiana, you know, you get a game in there against Fordham, but Wisconsin is not going to be an easy game. You know, it's not like they're some of the other Big Ten teams that are just consistently down, even down years for them. They're still winning seven or eight games. So, all the yeah, expectations- let her down. And one thing that helps them too is Cole Snyder's back. You know, he's been in the program for a couple of years. He's played. Ron Cook Jr. has been there for, he's a senior, but it feels like he's been there 10 years. And a guy we got to know to watch a little bit over the past couple of years, Michael Washington as well, another running back. Is a redshirt sophomore. He's a, they, both of those guys can make plays. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. Outside of the offense is the wide receiver room. You know, Darnell Harding, Booby Curry, and Cole Hartley. You know, guys who are two of them. One's a senior tra- transfer, the other's a grad transfer. And you look at their depth chart. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six guys. Six of the eleven guys are transfers. Um, and so that's one thing Buffalo has done well over the past couple of years is hitting that transfer portal. And they even have more on the defensive side. Um, but they're, they are very lucky in the sense they have a quarterback and a running back room that has experience in the conference and has experience playing. 
Eastern Michigan was one of the surprise teams last year. I, I feel mm-hmm. like in Mac football, Eastern Michigan is kind of just a team who not necessarily just there because they're with the directional Michigan schools, but has never been able to crack into the upper echelon. Like they, they always seem like they're in the middle bottom of the conference. Mm-hmm. If they're making a bowl, it's like six wins. You know, last year they go off for nine. Yeah. You know, they, they beat, they beat Arizona state. Um, you know, Arizona state obviously wasn't that good last year, but still being a power five team, no matter how good or bad it is, is always an accomplishment for a program in the Mac. Yeah. You know, they, they lose to Buffalo, they lose to Toledo, but they win the rest of their Mac games. You know, where do they stand in your mind this year? Well, they'll be replacing a quarterback. And that's always the toughest thing to do. You know, you have uh, Austin Smith, Richard sophomore, and Cameron McCoy. Uh, but we talked about Samson Evans, too. You know, he's a guy who's had a ton of success um, at Eastern over the past year. But what really concerns me is the depth of Eastern. You kind of look at their depth chart. They don't have a whole lot of experience in that second uh, level or that, that second line of the depth chart. So really what Coach Creighton's going to have to do this year is find out – he's going to have to spend a lot of time figuring out what he has as a team. Um, you know, Eastern, again, is one of those schools in Ypsilanti, not too far from Detroit. Uh, we talked about the, the great turf. You know, they're one of those schools – they are – but when they're good, they are good. But when they're bad, they're bad. Yeah, I think this is an opportunity here this year, especially for Coach Creighton, to really prove that, okay, Eastern can compete because you are kind of overshadowed. You know, Eastern, excuse me, Central had some success. Western had some success. And that's, they're in a tough spot because they're not that far apart. And so when one of those schools has success, it kind of overshadows the other two schools that are within 50 miles of each other. Um, so this is a great opportunity this year for Coach Creighton to kind of prove, and he's, like I mentioned, he's got to be the longest tenured Mac coach, 11, 12 years at this point. Um, and I think he, he deserves a, a MAC championship. And when I was reading, it looks like he is starting to recruit at a high level for the MAC. You know, it seems like he's starting to bring in talent. You know, I was reading that last year he brought in the best, the best recruit class in the MAC. Yeah. So you know, you talk about that depth. You know, maybe they don't have experience, but it looks like he's at least bringing the talent in to help build and replenish that for the future. Yeah, without a doubt, and that's a huge thing. Uh, we we didn't yeah we did get to talk no we didn't get talked to him this year uh, unfortunately but we've talked to him in the past and uh, he's a great coach he I, it makes sense as to why guys out of high school want to go there and in the transfer portal want to go to uh, Eastern just because of his philosophy what kind of coach he is what kind of guy he is he's a great conversation uh, and actually he's been there a long time he knows the game he's put. Guys like Max Crosby, who's hundred million dollar defensive lineman in the NFL, you know he's uh, he's put a lot of guys in the league, and uh, there's guys have no reason not to go play for him. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like I mean if you're there for that long and you're finding this success in a, in a conference that has as much turnover as it does with players and coaches, you're doing something right if you're there ten years and you're still winning, you know, nearly double digit games. Sure. And, you know, when uh, Pat Fitzgerald was let go from Northwestern, his well, his name was one of the first two or three that was brought up for that position. If I was him, I would stay away from Northwestern. But that's, you know, yeah, another time, another day. That's too long of a rebuild. Stick with what you got there. You're doing pretty well. Let's yeah, not look too far away. Uh, one team that we haven't talked about yet is Miami of Ohio. 
Yes. They they always seem like they're around the middle of the pack. You know, last year they go six and seven. You know, uh, Blaine Gabbard's little brother, Brett, is the starting quarterback down there. But their offense seemed pretty bad last year and was carried by their defense more than more often than not. Am I am I wrong on my assessment there? Um defensively, you know, they did carry them, but I mean Gabbert was hurt from week three on. You know, he didn't well, play. That definitely hurts you. That definitely does. And you know, Avion Smith, he, we were at the Cincinnati Miami Ohio game down there at Paul or it's a Paycor Stadium now. Um and Avion Smith started and you know he played relatively well. You know, he was competitive the first half and obviously Cincinnati's gonna do what they do. But, you know, having Brett Gabbert back, who initially entered the transfer portal and decided to come back, um, which is kind of an odd move, but nevertheless, he's back. You know, Alex was able to talk to Coach uh, Chuck Martin a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, they're in, a, they're in a lucky position to where in that quarterback room they have guys who are good. You know, uh, Brett Gabbert's a redshirt junior. Avion Smith's a redshirt sophomore. They both started, and they both played a ton of games. That's not going to be an issue. Uh, again, it's one of, they're again one of those teams who was just riddled with injuries, unfortunately. Um, yeah. One thing I find interesting is, you know, Chuck Martin's there in his 10th year. Yeah. Offensive coordinator Eric Kohler is also in his 10th year. Mm-hmm. So you don't find many programs across the country, not even just the MAC, across the country that keep an offensive coordinator for more than two seasons. Because you're always instilling a new system, somebody gets a job, somebody gets fired for whatever reason. So having someone that long, you know, even if the offense didn't hit where it should, even after Gabbert got injured, it's not like you're instilling a new system. These guys know the expectations. So I think that's actually an underrated part of Miami of Ohio. It really is. You know, it makes sense too for a guy like Coach Martin. You know, he very loyal, loyal guy in the conversations we've had with him over the years. You know, last year you look at their schedule, they were six and seven. They were fairly competitive against Kentucky week one. They lost that one. When I say competitive, they were competitive early. Uh, they lost that one 37-17. But we talked about that Cincinnati game. They lost 38-17. And, again, it was one of those times where injuries riddled, riddled them against a really good Cincinnati program. Um, but, yeah, Coach Chuck Martin, it, it – doesn't surprise me that he keeps people around him that he likes because again, he's been there for so long, 10 years, he's found some success. You know, it, what he's been able to do at Miami of Ohio. And we all know it's a cradle of coaches. So they're always going to produce a great coach no matter where. Yeah. I, I think their schedule also helps them out as well because, you know, Miami, Miami, Florida, the battle of the Miami's I've always mm-hmm. I don't know if they played before, but I'm very excited to see the battle in the Miamis. Yeah, I don't think then, they have down, down in Miami, too. It, we, we've needed this game for so long. Miami yeah. versus Miami. Determine who the real Miami is. Absolutely. And then the game at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's going through a rebuild right now, you know, with yeah. Luke Fickle leaving. That's not an impossible game for them. And then games versus UMass and Delaware State, both of those should be victories for them. Yeah. So... You know, you're hoping worst case scenario you come out of the non-conference two and two, you know, heading yeah. into conference play. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a real possibility of doing that as well. And you know, that Cincinnati game, it's my co-host Alex. He'll give you a, a 20 minute rant on it. Uh, how Miami? They never get to host the game at Miami of Ohio. When Miami is the home team, they play at the Bengal Stadium. 
And then when Cincinnati is the home team, they play at Cincinnati. So like last year, they had to go to Paul Brown. And it's not a real true home game for Miami because it's full of Cincinnati fans, even though Oxford's not that far. It's full of Bearcat fans. But that's another story for a different day. But yeah, like you mentioned, there's no reason the, uh, the Red Hawks, they, they can come out of that non-conference two and two and go to Kent State. And you look at the front part of their uh, max schedule at Kent, home for Bowling Green at Western, and they're home for Toledo on senior day. Those first three or four games are going to be really crucial for the Red Hawks this year. And they can beat Kent. They can beat BG, you know, depending on what happens at the Western at quarterback. You know, they could go up to Kalamazoo and, and beat Western and go into Toledo, a really good football team. Would you say the expectation then looking at this is seven wins? So like you should be looking at this thinking you should have a winning record no matter what. Maybe looking at more than six and six. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think Miami of Ohio could easily win seven to eight games. And they, they could be in the conversation at the end of the year uh, about, you know, wins or losses when it comes to going to the MAC championship uh, and how crucial some of those back half games could be. Because, you know, kind of look at the back half of their schedule. After Toledo, they're at OU, home or, uh, home for Akron, home for Buffalo, and then they're at Ball State and then the MAC championship on December 2nd. You know, they could be in that conversation when it comes to November 15th, the second to last week of the year. So who are some teams that we haven't mentioned that intrigue you in the MAC this year? It's tough. They all intrigue me. So <laughs> other all... than the five, you know, who would you other say is five, a team? Sure. That, other than the five we talked about, who, if somebody is going to watch sit down and watch a MAC game, who's yeah. the next team that they should consider watching? Outside of the ones that we've talked about, I mean, we briefly touched on Northern Illinois. Uh, I'd really pay, I'd keep an eye on that. I really would. I'm a big Northern Illinois fan this year. Um, you know, depends on, again, health with them. But watching a guy like Rocky Lombardi, who is a very good quarterback, you know, we've gotten to know his dad over the past couple of years. And he coached at Eastern Michigan back in the day. Um, and you just have the, the name Rocky Lombardi. That's just a quarterback name. And so he's a guy who I'd really be intrigued to watch this year. If if I'm new to the conference and want to turn a game on, you know, especially that week three game at Nebraska, that's going to be a really interesting one to watch and be a fun one to watch because there's so many variables going into that one. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd definitely say Northern Illinois. Yeah, I think we all have memories of Jordan Lynch and Northern Illinois being you know in the Orange Bowl. Sure. Uh, this is a different Northern Illinois team. This isn't Dave Doran anymore. You know, yeah. uh, it's a new era for Northern Illinois. So you realize I, I got to watch Jordan play live and in 2013 against Ball State. And it was a uh, it was interesting. And we actually met him at Northern Illinois spring game a couple of years ago. And we're trying to get him on the show. But he's a high school football coach now uh, over at Mount Carmel. So like one of the Chicago suburbs. So it's a little hard to get a hold of. But uh yeah, he's a interesting, and his brother is a plays in Northern Illinois as well. He's a backup quarterback. I went to Temple, and he was a quarterback at Temple for a hot second before mm-hmm. he transferred away. Yeah, now we have Kurt Warner's son. Kurt Warner's so, son, yeah, he's a Nebraska kid, right? Uh, the what, Kurt Warner? Yeah, or uh, he's from I forget Kurt, where he came Kansas out State. Of. 
Kurt played at the Kurt Warner played at some division two. Yeah, his sons. They one played at Nebraska. I thought. Oh yeah, he he has multiple sons all over the country. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. EJ Warner is the starting quarterback at Temple after his freshman season. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. But I know you're a Ball State guy. You yep. Know, Car- Carson Steele goes out to UCLA, obviously. What does what do the Cardinals look like without Carson Steele? I know we talked about Cooper, but what does the team look like this year? The team is you know, they're in a kind of lucky position because they do have depth. You know, Brady Hunt at tight end, he's a phenomenal tight end. He'll be a, a he'll be drafted in the first couple of rounds next year. Um, the biggest question for Ball State this year is the wide receiver position. Um, you look at guys like Johannes Tyler, who was there forever. It seemed like, you know, he's gone. He was, he carried a lot of that, the load, uh, on the wide receiver room. And then you look at the quarterback position, you know, uh, John Paddock, he transferred the starting quarterback last year. He transferred out. He's at Illinois now. And so you, know, you bring in, you have Khalil Kelly, who's going to be a sophomore. You know, he's going to see some time, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be the starter. Uh, from what Coach New told us at Media Day, um, you know, Coach New is a Ball State former Ball State quarterback, you know, won uh, a bowl game. Or he was playing a bowl game way back in the day, you know, so he loves Ball State. He's going to do whatever he can to win. But they have a transfer quarterback in this year from Tennessee State, uh, Lane Hatcher, who was from Coach New's uh, mouth a couple of weeks ago. He said he's going to be the starter week one, so that's really going to be interesting too because. You know, we, we talked about the Sun Belt off the air. He's a Sun Belt guy. And so really interested to see what he does. But Kelly, they're both dynamic quarterbacks in the way they, they play. You know, Hatcher can throw the ball, but Kelly is very good on his legs. So they're going to be doing a lot of – they're going to try to figure out a way to get both those guys on the field at the same time. And then with Cooper, his ability to run and stretch the field, you know, that could give you an opportunity to have a couple of guys coming out of the backfield with speed. Um so I think that's really going to be big for Ball State. And, you know, summer camp is going to be – this might be one of the most important summer camps Coach New has had uh, in his eight years now as head coach. Because um, the past couple of years he's been pretty well set at quarterback. But this time where he's breaking in somebody brand new who was out of the conference, who uh, he didn't know a whole lot about until he got to Ball State and, and Hatcher. So I think this – like so this summer might be the biggest one of Coach News' job or Coach News' uh, career. So fast forward to December. Yeah, season's been played. Who are the? Yeah, I know you kind of already briefly mentioned it, but tell me who the two teams are and that are playing in the MAC championship. I have Toledo and Ohio, a repeat of last year. I just think from a roster perspective, from a talent perspective, they are the two best and most talented teams in the conference. I also think they're extremely well, uh, extremely well coached too. You know, Coach Candle, he's been there a hot minute. You know, he loves Toledo too. He's he has he's had opportunities to go elsewhere, but he's stayed in Toledo. Um, then you go down to Coach Albion down at OU, who's been in the program for a long time, but now going into his third year as a head coach. Um, I think with the quarterback room, the wide receiver, excuse me, the quarterback room and the running back room, along with how solid their defense defensive have defenses had played the past couple of years. Uh, I think that's why they end up in Detroit. Who do you have winning that matchup? I have Toledo again. 
I'm going to follow your same exact one because I really liked Aquan Finn. Yeah. I think he is a dynamic playmaker and provided that he can, you know, take care of the ball, you know, not make too many mistakes. You know, he's dynamic. He can change the game in an instant. You know, he can do it with his legs. He's got a cannon for an arm. He He's just the quarterback that most teams look for. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, he's a guy who, like I said, he's a fairly local guy out of Detroit, so not too far. And it's one of those guys, you know, Coach Campbell's done a great job of finding those local talents who want to play. And he's done a phenomenal job of developing them. Um, you know, Toledo fans, they're, they're split 50-50 still after the success that Toledo's had over the past couple of years on Coach Candle. Um, shockingly, it's, it's kind of weird. Long story. But just go, th- go through some Twitter feeds on uh, on Coach Candle, and you'll, you'll see what I mean. But we love him. He's a great guy, great coach. Um, but, yeah, I think that's one of the big reasons as to why they end up back in Detroit and repeating as champions. So we have one fan question I want to get to you. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but from Mountain Bobby 20 says, what is the ceiling for the Bobcats with one of the top quarterback wide receiver duos in the country? So I'm going to make you go big picture for this one, not just Mac, because we already know that you think they can make the Mac championship. Sure. Like, what do you, what do you think their ceiling is? Like, do you think they win 10 games, 11, 12 and 0? Like, what do you think the ceiling for them is? I mean, they could win 10 games, I think. You've got to look at that non-conference schedule like we talked about, San Jose State, Long Island, Florida, Atlantic, and at Iowa State – or, yeah, excuse me, home for Iowa State. That's a game where, you know, they went out there last year, played, but they could win that again this year. And you're kind of looking at their their conference schedule as a whole here, starting off for at BG, home for Kent State, at Northern Illinois, home for Western, home for Miami of Ohio, at Buffalo, home for uh, Central, and then at Akron. I mean, there may there's going to probably be a slip up or two in that uh, conference play that because that's just how the MAC happens. You know, they could that Miami of Ohio game on October 28th is going to be extremely tough. And then you know, you kind of look early on too. Or excuse me, later on, Buffalo might give them a run. That game is at Buffalo. Uh, that'll be a Tuesday or Wednesday night game, whatever the seventh is. Um, so that's a, that's a haul for the Bobcats to Buffalo from uh, Athens. This, I see a game or two slip up uh, within the conference play, but again, they could easily win 10 games and be bowling uh, pretty well at the end of the year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, AJ, any last thoughts before I let you get out of here? Well, I appreciate you having me on. We're less than what 30 days away from college football starting. Hard to believe it's already here, almost here. Um, but yeah, I appreciate again, you having me on. Uh, you guys can follow us on our Twitter at CSC Podcast. Alex, my co-host, is working on an app currently. Uh, it's going to be all Mac. We uh, it should be launching by week one. Uh, that's our goal anyway. Um, so it's going to have live feeds. It's going to have updated scores, stats, highlights, everything from the Mac uh, included in, which is going to be a lot of fun to deal with. Uh, there's not one of its kind. And so we're really, really excited to get that one out to everybody. Uh, we also released our interviews with our coaches from Media Day. We talked to eight coaches, uh, Athletic Director Tony Blair from Toledo, and then uh, the commissioner, uh, John Steinbrecher, the commissioner of the conference. We talked to him every year just a little bit about conference realignment, the state of the conference, things of that nature. So some really great conversations. Each podcast is about 20 minutes or so. Conversations are about 10 or 15 minutes with each coach. Uh, we learned a lot about uh, what's going on this year. You know, there's three or four coaches we didn't get to this year, unfortunately, uh, with scheduling and whatnot. But, yeah, those are all on uh, wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, 
some great conversations. Go check that out. It's a great way to get a preview of your team uh, before the season starts. Like I mentioned, season starts. We're already here uh, August 8th, less than 20-some 20, 20 days away. So it's a great idea to get uh, caught up in your teams, do a preview, and uh, we'll get into action here real quick. Highly recommend following them. I don't even remember when I started, but I know it's been a long time that I've been following and interacting with these guys. Um, make sure to follow them, listen to their stuff. Make sure to listen, to, or hopefully you're listening to ours. Rate, subscribe, do everything on your podcasting platforms. Thank you, AJ. It has been a great time. Hey, absolutely. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll do it again sometime. Yep, absolutely. Thank awesome. you, guys.